everybody, and welcome to Teachers in the Dungeon. I'm Tom Gross with Dan Ream. This is a take two. Take two, we yes. Were we were teachers in the parking lot, and I was trying to record on my phone, and someone had the audacity to call me. How dare they? And for some reason, that just interrupts the recording. Yeah. So. so we came to the uh, dungeon. Yes. And uh, we are going to break down. We saw the movie for the second time. You and, you and I did. Yes. And uh, we want to talk about that, but we are not alone. We have, what, you're becoming a regular on the show. A special guest star. Yeah, right? right? <laughs> exactly. They're going to start calling for you every show now, I think. This is Marcus Kubler. <laughs> I don't know if they'll call for me every show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, this is your first viewing of Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. And I just want to take a moment here. Disclaimer, if you have not seen the movie, this is probably where you want to hit pause. Go to your local theater, get a ticket, Go watch Honor Among Thieves, then come back and then listen, listen to this. To the way this. Home, to the yep. Car. yep. Yeah, because we're going to drop spoilers. We are not holding anything back. Yes. Uh, we may not talk about the whole movie, no. but we anything that we talk about will likely be a spoiler for you. Tom so, has put a time limit on us, so. That's right. That's we right. Got to get in, get out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, family obligations, yes. but, but which isn't that so typical of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. I got to cut it early tonight. <laughs> All right. Well, so Marcus, just curious, what were your first impressions of the Dungeons and Dragons movie? I liked it. I think that you know it seems to have some pretty general appeal. I like the lore that I knew from it, but it wasn't so heavy in the lore that it was going to turn people away or they weren't going to be able to follow it. Sometimes it's there. It's a very nice. Homage, is that the right word for the people who play? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so. But still broad enough that it's going to help or hopefully draw in people from all walks of life. Yeah, I would agree with you. I, I liked, I thought that there was, a, this time through, I, I picked up enough lore that I thought it's not too much, but it is enough that they can build on this if mm. they choose and really flesh out some of these places further in the next next movie yeah for ooh, i like the sound of that the yeah. next movie let's yes. hope fingers crossed yes from what i've seen this this is coming in at the high end of what they expected it to do this weekend oh good so that's good news so mm -hmm. hopefully what we're hearing at least what i'm hearing from a lot of reviewers is this is the kind of movie people will want to see more than once mm -hmm. and hopefully when they go back as we did we bring someone who hasn't seen the movie yeah. yet I would agree on the lore that it is a it's it's a ground zero lore, but there's just enough in there peppered in for us to enjoy that. And so one thing that I thought of is, and we talked about this when we saw the when we saw it, Dan, you and I saw it a couple weeks ago, is that you know I really think that this is the kind of movie that could bring people that are on the fence about playing Dungeons and Dragons. You know, they're like, oh, I've been asked before, but I don't really know what it is, what it's about, things like that this is this movie could give a sense of what would it be like to have a D&D storyline right. and that it's not that you know we're not so serious about mm -hmm. this you know about telling our stories that there's humor in the game and it can be fun and so the one that really hit me <laughs> that that we laughed about quite a bit and you noted it the first time around is the red dragon yes I loved that. I 
laughed more. That's what the one I was, we're jumping ahead a little bit. I think we were going to jump to favorite moments. So hey, I'm yeah. telling my favorite moment early that the dragon that is so fat that he can't really maneuver. And, and I told you guys, it reminded me, my daughter has a cat that's morbidly obese and it reminded me of that cat. <laughs> You know, she's going to try to jump up just like all the other cats, and she just doesn't quite make it. It has to kind of crawl, and that's what he was doing so much, and then he'd trip and fall, and then when he rolled and over and splayed, <laughs> I, I felt for his indignity at that moment, but it just made me laugh the way they played him. And as we said, that that's one of the things that I think fits for what a, a D&D table is like. Yes, there's something scary here, but the DM is going to throw some sort of quirk in on this to make it unique and fun mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah, I mean, they definitely set it up with that, with the, the scary part. His eyes mm-hmm. come out of the, you know, out of the dark cave, and then you see that it's a red dragon's head, and then it's just sort of the reveal that, that yeah. gets funnier and funnier. And I miss what made him roll the first time around. This time I caught it. It was yeah. that giant chain. He tripped over the chain. He, he, he tries to crawl over the chain and he sort of falls off the other side of it. So that was that was great. Whoever came up with that in the writing room was genius. I think yeah. that was very yeah. good. So Mark, something that you what's something that you really stands out to you after a first viewing as something you really liked about this movie? Well, for a scene, I really liked when that conclave of Scarlet wizards came through and that one went through and called down the spell or that fog and it went through mm-hmm. and it was changing into the undead uh, because of all the things that we have faced in our games it would put a really nice visualization to how that may have come out and so that for me really kind of stood out in the graphics and everything they did I thought really nicely done I would, that scene. I would agree with that, that the who the, the design team on that was, they, they knocked that one out of the park. It, it was so forbidding and creepy mm-hmm. and cool at the same time. The, the red lines coming down out of the sky like blood vessels. Oh, and yeah. and the way that the, the fog moved so much faster than fog moves was really, really chilling. That was good. I got some ideas. I wonder, you, you mentioned how the that fog reminded you of, and creating the undead reminded you of our game. I wonder how many people saw something in this movie that reminded them of something at the table. I know on my end, it, it wasn't so much things that reminded me. It was things that I was like, I want to bring that concept to the game i want to do this sort of thing i saw lots of stuff as a player but also as a dm that i was like that gives me some ideas i feel like the whole we've talked about this already but the whole script was threading the needle it it is entertaining for the general public but it also plays like a DD game you've got the rapid-fire backstory of the Session Zero or One at the beginning where Edgen is telling his story. And, uh, you know, the again, not to make light of it because they treat it respectfully, but the tragedy of his past <laughs> and the way that the group comes together is just like how a D&D session would start. And then you've got the, the helpful NPC that comes in and 
is far more powerful than the rest of the group, yes. the paladin that comes in and yet is able to, you know, just wander in, help them defeat really nasty enemies and achieve part of their quest, and then says, okay, bye. Yeah, when the Red Wizard calls in that partner, he comes down in the river and, and she's like, she says to him up on the tower when the Never Embers, not Never Ember, when uh, Forge's men are behind him and she says, they're the ones that let them escape. And we just see how dangerous he is. I mean, he takes those guys out with probably without even taking a deep breath. And and so the paladin comes in and like takes care of that problem. Yeah. And that was cool. That was really cool. Um, but there's you know there's some magic items, yes, in there, and I wonder when when and where these magic items will turn up. They've got to be someplace. I'm yeah. sure Wizards will is going to take <clears throat> advantage of this and start putting some of these things out there. By the way, <laughs> I did not I did not catch the humor in this in the first time around. The hither thither one. That was uh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> what a great name! <laughs> and I really liked his wild magic. Just grab something out of that. Yes. Revolving thing at his side and throw it out there. That yeah. was... Well, and the the way that they just happened to have the hither-thither wand because it was something that she just took off a wizard and didn't have anything know, didn't know yes. what it was and just happened to grab it, just happened to grab it mm-hmm. before she left home and he just happened to see it. So you can see, again, you can see a DM thinking, oh, shoot, they just wrecked the bridge. Now what are they going to do? Oh, wait. I know. Or how many times as a DM do you put something in the player's hands that they forget about? Yes. <laughs> and they're carrying this they're carrying around the solution to this problem in their, you know, bag of holding. Someone's got it in the bag of holding. Yes. And uh and and then they're like, oh wait a minute, I've got that. And so there it is. It kind of, that's what that kind of reminded me of. Does Simon have a bag of holding? It, no. I just kept thinking that he keeps handing him things and handing him things and handing him things. It was I just, just two I got the thinking I that... I think it was... Oh, I guess so, yeah. All right, right. I, that, that crossed my mind this time around. What about you? What did you... What What was a memorable, fun part of the movie oh, for you? Oh, you want me to talk about fun things? <laughs> <laughs> because the things that really struck me were the uh, sad things. But I'll come back to that. Let me think about that for a second. Because I think really what, what I enjoyed the most in the second time around was again I just I keep going back to the humor and just all of the little the little like just the little pieces that you kind of chuckle at mm-hmm. but that raise to sort of the, the the interest in the attention of the movie I was mentioning on the way here uh, in the car how <laughs> you know there are a lot of little things that you kind of miss and the one that I missed is when they are walking they're following the paladin into they're they're going down that the underdark, that, the underdark and he said he uh, Edgen. Uh, Edgen is saying things to Holga about him mm-hmm. like I'm not gonna hold it I'm not gonna take his hand and, and those sorts of things and he says I can hear you and he says how does he hear me and he goes I hate you <laughs> 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 what I missed the first time around was that the paladin has a re- a reaction to that yeah just sort of a mm-hmm. sly understanding smile that that like he gets it and I I. I think that character is the character I enjoyed most the second time around. I missed a lot of those characterization pieces where he just has an understanding, even in sort of the the rudeness of Edgin, like when they're saying farewell and he starts telling him, you know, they're standing on the beach and, and the paladin says, 
starts giving the speech and he says, that's, that's enough. You can go now. <laughs> and he just, he just gives him that look. Same yes. look as when he said, I hate you. And it, and he turns and he starts walking away and they take this magnificent character and his magnificent ending with the, with the dialogue of, boy, he's really walking in a straight line. Boy, that's just, look at how he walks and just such a straight, uh-oh, uh-oh. And then he walks away. There's <laughs> a like, rock. Is he going to go around the rock? <laughs> nope. Goes right, right over, over the rock. And it's just, you know, what a what a lovely way to send that character off. Yeah. Because it just fits with, again, the whole the whole thing. How about you? The thing I caught second time around, I didn't also characterization, is I don't know a better way to put this other than Holga is kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. They don't. And, and I love the way they wrote it because it doesn't make her less valid and it doesn't mean that she can't have good ideas, but she's she's always saying things that she doesn't realize are just really awful to people. <laughs> and 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 I thought, what a perfect way to just do a low-key stereotype barbarian. Yeah. Where she she is what she is, good heart, but just slight tangent. The one the one issue I have with the critical role cartoons is the barbarian is so over the top dumb that it's just it's a little cringe Mm -hmm. and here it was perfect because i I didn't even catch it the first time around but watching this time i was like oh i did catch that she uses the wrong words in places it's close to the right word but not quite sounds about right and then yeah just dismissive of certain things that would probably be a great idea, but she just doesn't get it, so she dismisses it and just goes on. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, and, uh, I was kind of heading that way and thinking that, it, I don't know if it's if it's dumb. I, I saw her more as, like, she just didn't understand social norms. And so a lot of the things she says are things that you would say to your children, that should just stay in your head. Yes. And she would just blurt yes. it out. So maybe so, it's a low wisdom score. Maybe a little... Yes, a low wisdom score. <laughs> that was her dump stat. But, but definitely, you know, she is a, she's a very likable character. Oh, yeah. I loved the relationship between her and Chris Pine, mm-hmm. that, uh, Edgar, that mm-hmm. it was just a warm, solid friendship. We didn't, there wasn't bickering other than just how you'd rib each other, mm-hmm. any normal friendship. And just he, she just always had his back, always believed in him. And what I liked about that, the way they set that up, though, is it was in that is in the tavern when when the barkeep says, "Oh, would you and your wife like something?" And they're like, "What? Yeah, good. Those lips." <laughs> and it just to me, what that sets up is that there is no there is no relation. I mean, there's no like romantic relationship here. Mm-hmm. They truly are just friends i guess or you know they they depend upon one another and so that erases that whole romance right from the start um because the way the way holga raises kira makes you think that maybe there could be that but that's both edgin and kira or edgin and holga loving on kira but there's no connection between the two of them right. in that role in like a relationship way, which I really appreciate in this movie. I, I didn't wa- I didn't I don't want that. I want them to be a campaign, a party. Right. Mm-hmm. But they do give a relationship uh, between Doric and Simon. By and, the end. And, yeah. I mean, yeah. well, he he says very early yeah. that this is someone that I, I was courting. 
And I love that she didn't even remember him. I caught a little more. That was so subtle, and her looks were so subtle that I missed a lot of those the first time through, and I caught that more this time. But, Mark, what else did you notice? Well, I liked uh, going back to Holga, and it it feeds into the comedic side of all of it where she was married to a halfling, and then... At the end, then she there's another halfling that comes in, and you can see from her look that there's some interest in that, and it's a barbarian, you know, woman that halfling. Yes. It just yeah. it doesn't fit, but it's very. very I totally humorous. missed that second one the first time I saw the movie. Oh no! Bite your lip. Yeah. <laughs> did you, Mark? Did you catch the uh, cameo? Uh, no, I must have missed a cameo. Her husband, her ex-husband. Oh, I who was that? Who was that? It was Bradley Cooper. Was that Bradley? Co- I did yeah. not. I did not. Not rec- credited. I did not recognize that as Bradley Cooper. So. That's when I picked up the first. Who is that? I know I've seen that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, he looked familiar, but I. Uh. Yeah. So what was the poignant thing that got you? The poignant thing that got me. So, this this builds off of our humor conversation, because I think what works so well in the humor of this film is that. It is, even though it feels like it's constant, it really isn't. Because there are times when you think a joke is going to come and it ends up being quite serious. And I thought they had a nice balance between that to keep us on our toes. Mm -hmm. So that when something funny was said, it kind of struck you. But when it wasn't said, it, you know, you, you were drawn into the story a little bit more. And so two times two times that I just, like, I forgot I probably needed to bring tissues. I'm not that kind of person other than I really like these characters. Yeah. You know, I do have the benefit of, I've read most of the prequel book by this point. And so Simon and Kira and Holga and Forge, again, they're all in the prequel novel. And so I have a little bit of characterization there, but I felt like they're, they're so well done that I cared about them so much that there are two times in this movie that really struck me. It's after the Paladin's gone on the beach and they're having that conversation about, you You know, you've got to do this. You have to attune to this. Edgen points out to, what what Dork, you're going to go back to the Emerald Enclave and say you had a chance to defeat Forge, but you, you walked away from it. And Edgen, you had a chance to try to continue to try to attune to this. And Holga, you're going to walk away from, like, your past and the things that, that you know, your, your tribe is has you know destroyed itself and and Simon says well what about you again what if you what are you know what have you failed or, or, or I don't know like I forget exactly what he said but something it was the implication that you're blaming us of all being failures but what about you and he says I'm the biggest failure of them all and then he talks about being a father that really struck me in this movie. Mm-hmm. That is not an angle I would have thought a Dungeons & Dragons movie would go. Is Really what drives him is his daughter, his wife, and bringing that whole life back. Didn't expect to see that at all. Yeah. And that brings it back full circle at the end. Again, spoiler, tons of spoilers here. In that final battle, when they finally go melee with the Red Wizard. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Sophina. Uh, Sophina. Sophina. Yeah. This time I caught it, second time, when when the Red Wizard stabs her in oh, the I chest. Oh, I missed it. I, I, I did see it this time. It's so fast and it's so quick. And she is thrown off 
the right-hand side, she being Holga, is thrown off the right-hand side of the screen when she's stabbed. But they go melee. And what a wonderful... I love that whole battle sequence at the end. Because that City. really felt like a D&D mm-hmm. combat it with the big so bad. It so did. So many different things going on. And I felt like everyone had their chance at initiative yes. throughout the whole thing. Yes. Everybody had their moment. You had the Big B's hands wrestling. And mm-hmm. you had uh, Egden slamming her in the back of the head with the... Uh, to reinforce loot. To reinforce loot. But it's when you think it's all said and done. Edgin looks over and says, Holga, Holga, we've done it. And they realize that she's been stabbed. Edgin uh, turns to Simon and says, Simon, do do something for her. Going back to that whole... It's, it's the joke, but not joke, of magic solves everything. Yeah. And Simon says, he, she's been stabbed with a red wizard's wiz- you know, blade cannot be saved ironically which is also how he lost his wife mm-hmm. and so you have that moment and he's like no no final speeches that just that whole scene and when kira says use the tablet and he pauses and he has that flashback to the memories of holga kind of raising kira yeah oh that's just <laughs> and he had to sacrifice his own happiness for his child yes and that just, mm-hmm. that just really struck me. And and it was more powerful even the second time than it was the first. And I knew it was there. I knew it was coming. Well, that leads to, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the kerfuffle from the writers saying that they enjoyed emasculating the men in this movie, which I think was a really, I don't know, I, I, I hope they think Man of Wish hadn't said that. Because for lots of reasons, but... First of all, or foremost, I I don't feel like that was true in this movie at no. all. First of all, the paladin was by far the strongest warrior. Holga didn't even try to jump in and fight when he was fighting. She just let him do it. And and then Chris Pine's character is a bard. So, I mean, they could have given him a rapier, but a bard is not meant to be the front line. But I felt like everything revolved around his tenacity mm-hmm. they, they only succeeded because he was the one that said we will not give up and you know he wasn't afraid to put himself in danger when he had probably the least ability to survive mm-hmm. from it you know and then to make that ultimate sacrifice of his own heart basically for his daughter i thought that a very dad thing to mm-hmm. do yeah. you know it's what you do you sacrifice for your kids mm-hmm. and you do everything you can to protect them so I, I, I didn't see that at all in this movie. I hope, and I didn't see the interview that you're talking about. I'm really hoping that maybe they meant to go the route of not emasculating the male characters, but maybe just empowering the female characters a little bit more. Because they were, there were some strong female leads, and they were, they were very good, and very good characters, and very good acting with those characters. And right. that's great, and they should be there. But yes. The men were the men were important too, and drove were I mean, just as important in driving the story. That's what that's what bothered me. Is I thought there was no reason to even say that because the story just it speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and something you just said, Marcus, make makes me think about how this argument is shaped. And you said they the men drive the story. And, well, and help drive the story. Help drive, I said, yeah, I said I'm that. sorry. Yeah. Help drive the story. But that's when when we talk about like taking it like like are the men not being powerful roles in this? I think they are. 
Yeah. Um, just they're because, not passive. Just because yeah. they're not holding a sword and have huge muscles like Conan the Barbarian or something like that, it didn't it didn't bother me. I, I didn't even think of it until you had said something about the, the writers mentioning that. And I thought it was super balanced. I yeah. really did. Mm-hmm. I appreciated Holga yeah. as who she was and Doric. You know, Doric, talk about powerful. When she became the the owlbear and just threw people around, tossed them everywhere. I thought she was great. And, and the way she uses the druidic powers, I think, are, ma- are magnificent. And there was never a rub it in the guy's faces because they were all doing stuff. Mm-hmm. They all It took every last one of them working together to defeat Red Wizard. None of the... I mean, what I appreciated was the women were strong enough and confident enough that they didn't have to say, keep up. I mean, it was just yeah. everybody knew everybody contributed. Yeah. You know, there were scenes where they did save the men, but then there were scenes where Simon has to haul Doric back up off the edge of the cliff. And, I mean, everybody played a role. So something that that I'm thinking about here that we, we really haven't talked about yet is Forge. Yeah. And the character Forge. And and there was something that you had told me, shared with me, that said... Or no, no, I'm sorry. It was an article that I shared with you about uh, someone that reviewed the movie saying that Hugh Grant was a terrible... Did had a terrible job. Did a terrible job oh. in this role, this forge. He was fake. He was shallow. He didn't all of that. I I couldn't think of a more opposite sort of argument. I thought Hugh Grant was a magnificent forge. I bought into his character all the way. Mm-hmm. I thought his little smarmy looks and when he was being kind of just nasty when he had talked to Kira and lying to her, I thought he played it so well. Yeah. Like, I wanted to punch him in the face. And I wanted someone, I wanted Holga to punch <laughs> him in the face. And I just thought he did such a wonderful job. And that shallow attitude that he has, well, that's a, he's a con man. That's what mm-hmm. that's he's, what they do. He's a rogue. Yeah, that's that's how they are. That's what I would expect. And... I thought he played it well. Yeah. And I thought he was very funny. And I, I, I would say you could almost see that within the character itself. Mm-hmm. That's part of the act. They won't take me seriously if they think I'm a big idiot that, you know, that's smarmy when I'm really quietly putting all the pieces together to stab mm-hmm. them all in the back. How about the story? Did you guys like the story throughout? Was there any were there any threads of the story that you felt were unanswered or confusing? Can we just make it generally maybe we can t- roll that into anything we didn't like about the movie? Yeah, sure. So, I don't know that the story I think the story did what it needed to do. It's a D&D adventure. The the only Real weakness. I, I did find myself a little bit restless at the beginning this time around. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that before, that it takes it a little while to get going. But that's like a, that's like at the table. It, it's just right. the way it is. The only specific complaint I have is I thought, I thought they could have given Chris Pine's bard at least a little bit of magic. I would have liked to see Vicious Mockery. They could have added that easily when he and Holga were escaping from the jailers that were going to cut their heads off. He could have had some comment and the guy would be like, what? And that's right when he Holga hits or something. They, they could have done that. I wish they had, but that's a pretty minor complaint. Where I wish 
Egan had used some power, like had some sort of slight, even just slight power, was when he came, when he was playing the lute coming into the to the castle. Yeah. He did draw the guards over to him, but I think, yeah, I think that would have been a cool moment, a good opportunity for him to use a little bit of like the bardic powers yeah, that, that they have. Or... Yeah, something like that. Marcus, anything that didn't really work for you? I can say, you know, it's nitpicky and all of that. The scene at the end where Doric was the owl bear beating on wizard. The red wizard. Yeah, yeah. the red wizard. It was, you know, I'm saying, like, mm, okay, you kind of went a little bit Marvel Avengers on me there. That and was, that was really good when I saw that the first time. This yeah. time it's like, mm, okay, that's been kind of done. I don't need <laughs> to see that again. It still amused me, but not. Yeah. Not to the same. Loki part two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kind of so. had the same feeling on that as well. I mean, it was funny. Yeah. I laughed. But, it, but yeah, it was kind of like, I've seen this before. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm trying to think what it is. And, and I think there's something really telling about how, like, the nitpicky. So, mm-hmm. Like, we have to nitpick to find something, you know, bad about the movie. Yeah. I think that speaks for the movie itself. Yes. That it's so well done. I'm trying to think what it is. My original... The original thing that I thought didn't really work for me was the beginning. This time around, it didn't. I didn't feel like it got off to as slow of a start as I thought the first time I watched mm. it. Interesting that you felt more restless at the beginning. I was more drawn into it this time. The, th- the parts that I thought were kind of long didn't seem nearly as long the second time around to me. So I like that. Let me think. There was something else that I wished that... Oh, so the thing that didn't really work... For, uh, it's, it's just something that, that I just didn't, didn't, I wasn't buying into was the Rivendell feel to the Emerald Enclaves oh. home. They're up in the, up in the trees with these magnificent bridges and, and all of that. I just thought that was a little too far for a faction like this. Yeah. I think they would have been a little bit more hidden and either singular trees, but it was, it was a grand expansive like through multiple you know acres of trees is what i felt like and i was kind of like eh, that seems a little a little heavy-handed mm. uh it, it just just taking it too far yeah um a little bit but at the same time did it ruin my movie no yeah. i didn't even think of it the first time i saw the movie that's a nitpicky from the second viewing okay so last question what is something in this movie that is is all D that you loved you saw it and you're like ah D D. Either a little monster, uh, an action, uh, something they did, a plot twist, something like that. Is there anything in there? And I'll get it started so you guys can think about it. The thing that I love that was so D&D to me were all the monster cameos. Mm. You know, you have the the gelatinous cube. You have the displacer beast. You have the humor with the intellect devourers and that, that kind of joke that went along with that. Even the tiny little part where they're walking up the tower and the two, the, the open the scene with the rust monsters mm-hmm. fighting over a piece of metal. I just really liked all of those little things that made me go, oh, I know that. Oh, I know that. I know sure. that. Monster mm-hmm. Manual, page 27. <laughs> well, okay, maybe not that. But, but still, I liked all the monster cameos that were a lot of fun. The Mimic. I, I really liked the Mimic. That was going to be one of them because that's really classic. You see that in all of the, anything written, anything out there, Always there's always a Mimic. So I really mm-hmm. liked that one. Um, I like the spells. I know... I know listening to you guys earlier with uh, when you reviewed their character sheets, I think you threw the spells out there, and I know they're not exactly the same spells that are out there. I'm really hoping they release those for use mm-hmm. because there's some fun ones there that I think would be 
really good to use, but they were, yeah, those spells, those were. Yeah, I think the, I would, I would agree as far as the most, the most D&D moment was when the red wizard is firing a, something nasty down at them and Simon manages to do it's not again it, it was like a, a multiple person shield spell or mm-hmm. whatever but that looked really cool and the meta one is the whole explaining the complicated puzzle to get over the bridge <laughs> and then yeah, it getting yeah. completely wrecked within the first <laughs> 30 seconds and you could see the DM's face in zinc <laughs> The paladin returns and just gives that flat, blank stare to Simon. And, and that was a great, long stare. Yes. <laughs> they really held that for quite and some I time. And I really like that they got through most of the explanation of all of it, and then he puts his foot there yes. and it just falls. Because it just... Long yeah. enough into the explanation that they do a shot at Holga and Edgen, <laughs> and like they are so blank... <laughs> like, like no idea what's happening, and then he puts his foot on the on the plate. That's me as a player. So. Whenever there's a fancy, I, I haven't had to play characters that have to pay attention to those things. So whenever those things come up, as a, I'm thinking, well, my, my character wouldn't know what to do anyway. So I'll just <laughs> sit here and wait for you guys to tell me. That tends to be the one I play online. <clears throat> that that DM loves that sort of thing, and his brother plays and loves to figure those things out. So I can just be the fighter and just kind of shrug and say. Do, I pull the now? Pull the door now? Okay. <laughs> and that's that. Nice. Oh, any final thoughts? Anything hanging out there that you wanted to mention about the film? Well, just as we were talking, um, I know there's a lot of kind of loose ends out there for people that may not know D&D enough, but it's knowing that that's a different campaign, and that's I think they left those in there, and I'm glad they did, too. Yeah, take make new movies with different campaigns and go that route. So, yeah, I would say the only only other thought is how would you how would you rate it out of five stars? Long pause while our minds yes. are, <laughs> are, are, are the gears. You can do halves, are, but you know out what? Of five stars. I, I would give this movie a four star. Um, I really, I really thought it was fun. I think there's if if we do find a second movie come out um, with these characters or others, I, I would like I would without a doubt want to go see that. And I think there's a lot of things that with the success of this one that they might be able to kind of clean up in the next one. Like you had mentioned, Dan, and our initial is the CGI on like the halflings was a little wonky mm, at yeah, times, yeah. like things like that. I mean, you know, but those are again they're small. They don't. It, it doesn't change the way I feel about it, but I would give it a solid four stars because I walked away from this just happy. Yeah. Yeah, I can go. Uh, four stars, I think, is good. Um, it's a good movie. It's a nice popcorn movie. It's sit there, entertain, solid entertainment. That's what I would say, too, is four. I, I think, you know, it, it is what it is, and for most of that, that's extremely positive. It is fun. It diverts you. You feel like you've been on a ride. Uh, at a music park when you're done it would be fun to see them go now that they've established the world i think they could raise the stakes the emotional stakes more yeah if they wanted to mm-hmm. they don't have to i mean they, they've got a good thing going here but i think they could do that i think that's what elevated the best of the marvel movies is okay they're they're cape films but 
you care and there's a lot of heart and they allow some bad things to happen mm-hmm. and, and stay that way, at least for the film. Mm-hmm. And I think they could get away with that here in, in D&D because characters die. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's Doric says, Zastam is still out there and he's going to be mad. And Egden says, well, if he is, we'll be ready for him. So I'm looking for a Dungeons and Dragons two. Yes. You know, the only other thing that I that I was gonna say is Marcus, you said it's a great popcorn movie. I kept wondering where Chris Metz's meatballs were. That's all I really wanted. To, that's all that was really missing from this. So, how many stars would you give it? Let us know on Instagram at Dungeon or Dungeon Teachers. Also Facebook at uh, Dungeon Teachers. On Twitter, it is at. Uh, Oh my gosh, I got all all those mixed up. Facebook and Instagram is Teachers in the Dungeon. Twitter is at Dungeon Teachers. Or send us an email. Give us us a long review. We'd be happy to share uh, what you guys think about this movie. It's teachersinthedungeon at gmail.com. Send out a a bigger uh, thought and review yourselves. Well, I feel like they rolled a 20 on this one. Yeah. I can't wait for some kind of announcement of another one. So until next time, I hope you all roll a 20. See you next week. That wraps up today's session. So thank you for listening to Teachers in the Dungeon. We appreciate you and your feedback. Until the next time we see you in the dungeon, we hope you roll high on those saving throws. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear what happens in the adventure, subscribe to the podcast. Have questions, thoughts, or ideas? Check the show notes for our website and our contact information. This podcast is not affiliated or endorsed by Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro, or any other third-party Dungeons & Dragons entity. Teachers in the Dungeon is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders in the U.S. or abroad. The official Dungeons & Dragons website can be found at www.dnd.wizards.com.